Warning, the following podcast may contain language that some listeners may find offensive or confusing or intriguing. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the 3v3 podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. Freaking Canada, having to resort to a skills competition to win a game. Can you believe those people? Oh, I said those people. Hey, Patrick, can you bail me out? <laughs> this is where he buries me. Dear, <laughs> dear ESPN plus, if you're Canadian, <laughs> if you're an American, God bless you. Hope you enjoy your freedom and overpriced health care and uh-huh. substandard education. Um, uh-huh. Many of you in the listening audience, including some of you NHL players who apparently do listen to us. Hi. We see you. We see you. <laughs> um, have been complaining about repetitive ads being played during the ESPN Plus streams. Most notably, I believe we talked a little bit briefly about the Verizon ad with Nani from Insatiable. And might I say... Players. You did not mention Arden Marine was in that show. I, you know, I did. I'm sorry. You did watch. I it. haven't yet. It, I have it queued up. I have okay. it queued up for this week. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it is awesome. If you haven't seen it, go, go queue up insatiable and watch it. You can binge it all. Um, anyway, um, I, I understand the baby back ribs ad is starting to get up there with boys to men, but I can look the other way. They got talent. Those gentlemen can sing. I, however, am being inundated with a local ad as part of this repetitive package. And it features a young Thorish looking gentleman by the name of Justin Herbert. And it is for a Ford dealership in Marysville. What? And I had no idea who this dude was. I'm sorry. I am not a football guy. Haven't been for decades. I plead the, what is it? The the 14th Amendment is ignorance or the 13th Amendment. Whatever one, you can plead ignorance. I know the fifth is not self-incriminating. One of the amendments is about ignorance. Well, that's right. It's the second. Um, Crap, I said that part out loud. Um, (laughs) I plead ignorance. I went and looked him up, found out he was born in Eugene, Oregon, and played football at the University of Oregon, and plays professional football in Los Angeles, to which I had to sit there and go like, what in the name of God is he doing in an ad for a car dealership in Marysville, Washington? Now, at the risk of of resetting the clock, I will only state this as a factual non sub discussion type thing. Marysville is a hellaciously long way away from Eugene, Oregon. Dude never played in Washington outside of when he would play at university of Washington against the Huskies. So I was struggling to figure out what the hell he was doing. And my sister pointed out that that dealership is a dealership group based in Eugene. And so they're just putting in intro and outro cards for each of their local dealerships 
as as part of that commercial block. And I amazingly enough switched my VPN to an Oregon feed. And damn it all, if that that same flipping ad wasn't in the wasn't in the break package with the same dealership pointing to the website in Eugene. So if you are wondering about the relative repetitiveness of ads that are being fed into these streams. It really wasn't, but thanks for I, asking. <laughs> and how annoying they are, like women interrupting. <laughs> Ball yeah, tea. Gotcha. gotcha. One, one must maintain the stereotypes of one's gender, does one not? <laughs> I prefer Dolby Atmos typing versus stereo. Um, it's much more immersive. Mm-hmm. Anyways, continue. Uh, no, I was, you know, I'm starting to see an influx in people that are buying ads in these stream feeds that are non-national. Is is really what this is boiling down to. And that's the reason I asked Pat earlier is he, if he had been seeing any sort of moderately regional ads during his ESPN plus watching. And that is, that is a significant shift folks. Um, because they're starting, that's, that's kind of, I don't want to say stealing money from the cables from the cable, but it's kind of stealing a little bit of money from their cable packs. Because they are, they are noticing, they are finding that there is enough audience during these streams to um, necessitate buying ad packs. You know, in these in these bundles. Effectively, what they are is they just sort of sort of sell a bundle. You can buy in for three months, and you'll get you know you're guaranteed to have this many people in this region, you know, watching these streams. And with the death of the RSNs, that is a that is a market shift indicating that people are starting to put their money into these things, which I think is going to be helpful in the long run for getting rid of blackouts. Why that was a long because, preamble. I know, wasn't it? <laughs> it was awesome though. You know, it was it had nothing to do with anything other than my frustration last night and seeing Justin Herbert in like four different ads, one of them for SoFi and one of them for this car company. And then I think another one for some, some um, hair place like great clips or something like that. And then I forget what the other one was, but anyway, I, it, I just noticed it, it, you know, beside me having to look at him, go through the same, you know, rookie spokesperson camp, ad all the time for some plonky Ford dealership in Marysville. It's like, wait a minute, that's a local ad. I'm watching a, I'm watching a stream. People are buying into stream packs, regional, not national, regional people are starting to buy in. And the more that do that, the more you're going to see these teams start putting in a little more effort on their own, maybe to, as we've seen a few teams doing, creating their own service. Which I believe is going to end up being a better revenue stream for them than 
their cable deals or their deals with their regional sports networks. I mean, they can just take money directly from their fans instead of splitting it with a service. Exactly. And they can take money directly from the advertisers without having to split it with anyone. And everyone wins because the advertisers are paying a little less. The teams are making a little more. It's kind of a nice gig. Yeah, I don't know if everyone wins because of, you know, production not being really all that great. But do you know who could potentially win? Max Talbot. He's retired now. He could make a few commercials. (laughs) (laughs) No active player will will get a marketing deal and do the type of work that Max Talbot did. We need those commercials back. You mean like Shane Wright for Biosteel? Oh, wait. <laughs> Has anyone bought Biosteel yet? Maybe that's the ad. For sale. <laughs> <laughs> Internet over-marketed, domain. <laughs> over-marketed, underfunded, kind of bad-tasting sports drink. I like how there are certain sports writers who will tempt themselves to try all the flavors just to see what they're all like, because there's no shortage of them. Uh, I'm hearing in certain, you know, press boxes. Oh, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know, just follows along with the NHL's policy of, you know, finding, finding a company to partner with that's soon on their way out the door. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> Pittsburgh Penguins front office Uh players should you just i don't know happen to be listening one of you needs to call up max talbot and have him start shopping you around as a duo just to see what sort of advertising deals you can get Mm -hmm. i think there's a lot of potential there I, I, I'm sorry to do this, but live in-game update on Sunday at 13:14 Pacific time. Brock Besser just with an absolute snipe that was helped by the defensive stick of Mr. Phillips. Ladies and gentlemen, if you can't get all of it, don't get any of it. You are mm-hmm. going to screw your goaltender. Mm-hmm. And sticking, you know, thrusting your stick out in such a manner that it becomes a ramp, really not helpful. Yeah, that's why good goalies actually, you know, are aware of where the puck is, even when it's on their teammate sticks. <laughs> and they hate it when you go down and block shots. Mm, some of them do, some of them don't. I was one of those I'd always hated. I think it. if they could tell guys, I, I think if you could tell guys when to block shots, that would that would probably make people feel better. But because it's hockey and you can't really do that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And don't let your defensemen grow up to be goaltenders, folks, or else they are going down every time they skate out. <laughs> Mamas, don't let your babies grow up. 
to be defense. Goalies. <laughs> Sometimes they're one and the same when they're flopping around down there. So that means Brock Besser is tied for the league leading goals again. Huh. Funny. Yeah. Funny how that works out. Curious. Hmm. Very curious. Um, I'm sorry. I had absolutely no idea that Thomas Tatar was traded to the Kraken. I mean, I didn't, I, I scrolled back through my Twitter. Yes. Very few times in my life will I dead name someone and it's only out of spite. And this is one of those times. And Ron McLean said Twitter last night on hockey night in Canada too. So middle finger to you, Elmo Musk. Um, (laughs) I scrolled back on my timeline and could not find any reference to it. And I was shocked, shocked, I say, to find out that they only received a fifth round pick for him. So I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he has been traded for an entire top five at some point in his career. Because it was Vegas that gave up a first, a second, and a third. And I think... He was traded earlier for, or later for a fourth, and now they've received a fifth. So if he stays in the league a couple more years, he might complete top top seven. First time he was dealt. He went to Vegas from Detroit for the first, second, and third. Then he was traded with a second for Max Pacioretty. Now a fifth. So we still need the fourth round pick. Oh, that's right. okay. For some reason, I thought the the as part of the Pacioretty deal, there was a no, no Pacioretty. So it was just him in a second. Okay. No, because he and Suzuki and the second round pick, which ah, uh, oh, that's for right, Max yeah. Pacioretty. Wasn't that enough? Oi. <laughs> Oi. Not at the time, apparently. So he needs to be traded. So Ron Francis, if you're listening, we know you're one of the ones that isn't. But if you happen to know Ron, please pass the (laughs) note along. If you could then flip Tatar for a fourth later on the season, that would be lovely to complete the narrative. Hugs and kisses. <laughs> XOXO, Pat, Patrick, and Kathy. Uh, I wonder, now Now that I've said it, I wonder if there's ever been a player that's been traded for every round, a draft pick in every round in their career. Uh, I mean, but like back in the 90s used to go, what? Well, I, I don't, <laughs> no, yeah, I, we can stop at seven. All right. And when we see this article next week or in a couple of weeks in the athletic from Sean McIndoe, we'll know. know. I mean, he's just pulling out of a drawer in his case, but he still had to think about it. Mm, Maybe. Hi, Sean. (laughs) Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. 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 We love our listeners. But I love how um, 
Jeff Baker of the Seattle Times. Seattle Times. What was Seattle once upon a time a, a two paper town? The yes. post intelligencer. Yep. Okay. Yep. CLPI. Okay. Ah, oh, I miss good newspapers. Anywho, um, he was teasing some sort of deal, and subsequently Shane Wright gets called up on a paper transaction, which good for him. Continued light up the AHL until you know there's a different coach and general manager. Um, well, that I'm, I'm interested that you said that because here was a bit of news or or something being teased before it actually happened, which is not something that typically happens under the Francis administration. Hmm. A leak or, or strategic marketing. Cause apparently season ticket renewals are now up because People were required to buy three season packages mm-hmm. and they're kind of middling. So, you know, you kind of have to float some information out there and not, uh, you know, completely upset the fan base when you call up your first round draft pick and immediately demote them. But hey, well, he's playing more than three minutes. You also have to realize, you also have to realize that it's not just Francis. You got a couple of wikis in there that are more than happy to like. And that's what I think we are starting (laughs) to see. So Grubauer goes down and they have. I'm not even going to say cap space. They had additional cap space because they were not over the cap. An NHL team not over the cap and using their LTIR to like try to mitigate that or or shortening mm-hmm. their benches and using ebooks. Hmm, weird. Go on. <laughs> it's crazy, right? So currently they have one player. It wasn't actually Grubauer, but I imagine he will go from regular RIR to LTIR because not even video game QB uh, or uh, GM QBs love this stuff like uh, NHL general managers. But they're just doing some cap gymnastics now and just taking advantage of things. And that is very unfrancis like. I'm surprised they wouldn't just bank the cap space. Are you suspecting, <clears throat> excuse me, are you suspecting some form of maybe light them up type transaction coming? In in an effort to, I don't know, boost interest in this team again? I think so. And I think it's going to fall outside the purview of Francis's typical big deals, which are off-season deals to take on distressed assets but bring in a quality player. You know, the biggest one to date I remember was Brian Bickle and Tavo Taravainen for next to nothing. The Iceman cometh. Because, as also pointed out by one Jeff Baker, granted it was a Tuesday, granted it was against Florida, but that has never stopped this town in the past two seasons. (laughs) There was a decided lack of empty seats at the Mm -hmm. greenhouse. 
I saw that photo. And it sort of harkens back to my, I don't know what you'd call it. Um, Observation? Yeah. My observation that um, there was probably a seven to 10 year window for this team in Seattle. Um, Unless they do something, it's going to start looking ugly. And if the Sonics come back at any point during that time, it'll really look ugly. Now, I had mentioned previously that there was reports out there that um, the people that bought season tickets, the first batch um, that got in, would have priority to get Sonic season tickets, and that is apparently not the case. There is a tier of season tickets, apparently some you know, like platinum seat type thing like they have in Toronto, but anybody in that tier does get priority. Mm-hmm for potential Sonics tickets. Should they return? Should they return? Let's who are we kidding? <laughs> it's, it's a matter of when, not if um, it's a matter of a television contract being. So yeah, it'll happen after mm-hmm. the new deal, right? Because then they will most certainly negotiate clauses for, well, if we happen to expand, and they're going to Seattle and Vegas. Full stop. Let's not even joke. With the WNBA success in Vegas? Shocking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the first championship team in said town. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's mm-hmm. right. For some reason, I thought, okay. That's on me. For some reason, I thought they did it after. Well, they did because they've won back-to-back titles. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, that was before and after. <laughs> so you're not wrong. <laughs> well, that explains that. It's like maths. Just making the numbers say what you want them to say. Uh-huh. Statistics. Oh, I'm I'm old. I have I have Elmos. Little or Elmos, Elmos, little old man syndrome, even though I'm not little, nor am I terribly old. Age is a state of mind. (laughs) And my state of mind is Wyoming. Um, (laughs) Actually, probably, probably at this point, it's like South Dakota. Maya. My sister, side note, my sister wanted, used to joke that she wanted to uh, found a university and call it mental state. (laughs) The high school I attended was Meadowdale. We used to call it mental jail. Um, (laughs) Now, is it a byproduct of Paul Coffey? Or is it a byproduct of progressing to the mean? Not regressing, progressing to the mean. An underperforming team suddenly discovers that they can perform exactly where they were supposed to be performing. And then all of a sudden... I want to know what Paul Coffey means by plays, that defense have to make plays. What kind of plays is he talking about? (laughs) That's a curious quote. (laughs) I believe... uh, Boy, I can't believe I'm doing this. 
I believe he's talking. No, (laughs) kind of. (laughs) Going to be the first time Paul Coffey defended anything. Um, (laughs) It's a little bit of a low shot, but I made myself laugh, so I don't care. Um, (laughs) Well, it's not like he was going to block it. That's true. I made the joke, you know, the first game in, I took some screenshots of him leaning over, um, you know, like CeCe's shoulder talking to him. And I took a screenshot and basically captioned it with saying, see what you need to do here. What you need to do here, CeCe, is you need to pivot on your right foot, take four, four or five strides, deke out the next two guys, skate it out of the blues, you know, skate it over the blue line and over to the red line and then pass it to Gretzky and then continue to drive to the net. You know, that's stuff that coffee used to do. Mm-hmm. You know, single-handedly exiting the zone just by, you know, out skating and deking everyone and then passing it. Um, uh, I would say he is talking about the three-foot pass, the simple pass, the right decision, the right play. I, I think he was more talking about the first pass out of the zone after getting possession. But, I mean, it was just such a vague statement that I was like, why did nobody follow up with, what do you mean by plays? <laughs> you know? Then I have to remember, oh, this is the Edmonton media. Never mind. Oh, God, it was. That's right. Veteran Matthias Eckholm noted earlier in the winning streak that Coffee wants the six blue liners to engage in the play. That means closing gaps quickly in the defensive zone. Offensively, he's pushing them to join the rush and make good, crisp passes, even at the end of shifts. Like making small, simple plays, Mr. Nietzsche Hopkins? Hmm. It was amazing to me. And it wasn't that they were, it wasn't, it's not like they went in and it's not like Hackstall 2.0, the Hackstall clone, went in and changed anything. No. I mean, they're they're playing the exact same structure. They're playing pretty much the exact same offensive and defensive structure. I don't know whether he just told him stop screwing. I don't know what he did, but earlier in the season, you know, there were hand grenades being lobbed by everyone. They were. It was probably just, you know, I don't like this guy as coach, so I'm just going to kind of muff it a little bit. <laughs> I, I don't think that's the case. I, I don't think that they. I don't know. There, there wasn't anything that said that they were mad at anyone. It just like they were like that first game in Vancouver just threw them. Anger is different or anger is different from indifference. I'm not saying that they were angry or hated him or, or anything. They just, I think Um, they just kind of had that. I don't like you and I don't really care. Quiet quitting in a hockey game. I don't even think it's that. Well, I bet there was a little of that throughout the roster, but I don't think that was the permeating issue. Like I I'm, I'm scanning this article that I promised I would read, but didn't because that's show prep. And I forgot how to do that. Um, It's mainly like coffee is pumping these guys tires. I mean, this is a, a, I'm a paraphrasing quotes from certain defensemen, but he's like, yeah, he's telling me to just hold on for a half second longer and make a play instead of just flipping it out of the zone. Like it's just a bunch of little things that hearing it from a different voice or not being 
stuck in whatever, you know, the defensive coach was doing for the last 18 months was yelling or saying at you. I mean, it might have been just simply the fact that the previous coach was not great at articulating exactly what he wanted from them. And these guys are better about it, but not changing anything because the fundamental like structure is fine. It's just that the players need better explanations as to what is expected of them. I think it was simply execution, honestly. Because I, I don't... Like I said, everything was just sort of hand grenades for a while. And that includes 97 and 29 and 93. Everything was just hand grenades. They did not look mm-hmm. right in any way, shape, or form. And it was it was all of those ridiculous passing plays that you would see from which would wouldn't you argue we still haven't seen them we haven't you're right and and that's you know the things that they were doing the previous three years that would inevitably end up on some highlight reel you know just weren't executing you know you'd see them try it and then nothing either it'd blow up on uh, blow up on the recipient stick or it would catch the skate blade, you know, of a defender, you know, it was just off by a half inch. And then it went, you know, caught the skate blade of a defender and then, you know, blew up and went somewhere else. It was just, I don't know. Execution it, looked right. Execution is a product of coaching. If you can't get a player to like do what you want them to by explaining it and coaching them and how do it, how to do it. They're going to interpret what you say in however way they feel is right. Right. And if you don't like go back to them, it's like, no, okay, you need to do it this way. You need more, de- you know, you need to get more detail in what they're doing so that they do it in the way that you want them to. That's an aspect of coaching. And so as we all keep saying, the NHL doesn't actually do coaching. And Which so is, uh, nobody was actually doing what they were supposed to because they weren't getting told in the way that they needed to hear it. They weren't being coached in doing it right. They were being choreographed. Yeah, That's what everyone thinks coaching like, is half the time. And it's, it's the assumption that I'm seeing, or maybe it's something that like has just clicked in my head, but I feel like it's something I'm seeing more of in the NHL is the assumption that players are professionals and they know what they're doing. And while that is true, that doesn't mean they don't need coaching, especially if you're changing things or updating things or something isn't quite right. You know, you can't just leave it to the players to try to figure it out on their own because quote unquote, they're professionals and they should know what they're doing. That's just laziness. I still go back to nothing's changed. No, no, nothing has. There's one minor thing that that's where coaches McDavid is now healthy. He's able to tuck the Jersey in again, but even then it's not his play alone that's led to this little, what, 10 and 3, 10 and 4 turnaround? It's almost like they just simplified everything. 
And that may have been a byproduct of the coach. Because to your point, Cassie, I'm not so sure how much coaching Woodcroft was doing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Other than we want to play this style or play this system when these guys are on, do this when these guys aren't on, do this. I don't know as if there was much intermediate in the last season, but I don't know. Uh, it, they're still <laughs> they're still probably not going to make the playoffs, and then watch them win the lottery because goddamn that'd be funny. <laughs> well, it's either Edmonton or Chicago that wins the uh, lottery, so <laughs> it's probably their turn. I'm here again. for it. Let's just go nuts. Let's go cuckoo crazy, kids. Yeah. Cuckoo crazy. I say that they do, they pick two teams for the number one and number two, and then they have to arm wrestle to see who gets which. The GMs. Now, see, in some cases, that's completely not fair. But I think in a Ken Holland versus McDonough, not McDonough. Um, oh, God. Ah, whatever the kid's name is in, in Chicago, it just completely blanked me. Kyle Davidson. Um, thank you. Kyle kick his butt, Cassie. I don't because, you know. All right, then then we'll do we'll do nine rounds of rock, paper, scissors. I still think Kyle kicks it. It's over in four. (laughs) (laughs) Mathematically, that doesn't make sense, but somehow that's the situation Ken finds himself in. (laughs) Well, he will have traded Uh, one of his picks away for something. Another Werther's original candy or one of those, you know, what were the other ones that grandmas used to always have? The the, the ribbon pep- candy that would cut your yeah. tongue because they were, yeah. Yeah. They the, were the tasty, but they ribbons. would like cut yep. your tongue because they had the bubbles in it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, every other team that has uh, dismissed their head coach seems to just magically figure it out without changing things either so this isn't magical or unique to edmonton either it was 20 games you're gonna every team's gonna go through a nasty patch edmonton chose the start of the season to go through theirs well i mean and if you have a choice that's probably the better way to go (laughs) you don't want to be hitting that in march I would think so. I think there's just extended beyond what Edmonton's biggest problem is they don't lose the right way. Okay, I didn't realize you were part of the Edmonton media path. (laughs) Well, I mean, they learned from the greats, like, you know, um, former New York media or. But look. New York Islanders, what do they do? They lose half their games in regulation and half of them in overtime, so they get a bunch of garbage points. The team's currently ahead of Edmonton in the standings. Oh, look, one Seattle crack it. Eight overtime losses. Eight. Mm-hmm. Now, Edmonton has the better winning percentage. You think those numbers will even out. But the problem is 
Edmonton is currently a below 500 team by real math. They are 13 and 15. But other points are points in the standings, no matter where you get. They need to just hold on to games, but too many of their games are even the ones that they've lost lately, like the lightning game. Turned into a bit of a, not a gong show, but it was, eh, it might as well Mm. be. I expected the unknown comic to come out at some point. If any of you got that reference, congratulations, you are old. Hmm. The uh, Speaking of, of loser points and everything, my mother, who, uh, who is uh, on the injured reserve currently, she has a fractured shoulder. Mm. Um, she's out four to six weeks. Um, We'll we'll loan her to uh we'll loan her to her grandchild's um her her eldest grandchildren. Um not a fan of the shootout. Hmm. As she was watching the Cracking Kings game last night. Um she's she's still coming to grips with the whole process of overtime and shootout and what you know what constitutes a win in the shootout type thing. And, and I finally came up with the right analogy for her last night that it clicked. It's like baseball, right? You play three innings, whoever's got the better score after the third inning wins. If they're still tied, then you play top and bottom of the inning type thing, right? She kind of got it. And she texted me later. She goes, that was stupid. <laughs> granted, granted the Kraken lost. So she's not prone to like it anyway, but she basically said that was stupid. Now, does the does the guy who scored the winning goal get the goal? And I'm like, nope. So a goal appears from nowhere. Nobody scored it, but yet your team has earned it. Mm-hmm. And she said, why don't they just end the damn thing in a tie and let them have one point each? And I went, oh, were it to be true. You know? I hate ties. No. I hate ties. I will take no, a coin flip over. We a tie. need ties, ties with no bonus like, point. You lose, you get nothing. Right. Good day, sir. <laughs> right. No, no, I, I think the 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 bonus point in overtime should mm-hmm. be done away with, right? It's like if you go to OT, there's no guarantee you know, you either win or lose, get a point or you don't. But um why play a game that no one can potentially win? Dude, that's the whole point of playing a game. You want to win. You want to win the freaking game. If you can't win it, then what's the point? <laughs> I hate ties. I hate ties, but there are situations where everyone loses. And no, this is not going to become a political conversation. Yeah. But sometimes... It's a nine-round shootout like, where everyone loses. <laughs> Twelve-round no, shootout with the Penguins and, the other night. Yeah. Do you remember when Merrick Malik scored his goal? That was like the. Could you tell me anything interesting that happened in the rest of that shootout? No. 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 You you had what was effectively what like the number four defender on your team. You'd gotten so far down the flipping bench that you had you know your number four defensive defenseman you know out there taking a shootout because it was either him or the hot dog vendor in section 104. Um, 
and he happens to you know put a pretty one in you know one of the first one of the first recorded NHL instances of the tweener between the legs. But no, there wasn't anything spectacular. And I always say that shootouts end up being kind of like um, uh, really uncomfortable, um, like improv comedy sets. Like when you used to go, like, you know, comedy or theater sports or any of those things. There's a time, you know, there's there's a period early on where it's kind of exciting. It's kind of fun. There's some funny things happening. And then there's this weird lull where it starts to get uncomfortable. Because it seems to just be dragging on and on and on. And then you end up sort of towards the end with the, you know, the, the, the C team coming out and just tripping all over themselves to where it's that it's funny, but kind of in a wrong way, (laughs) you know, it's, it's unintentionally funny, but you also kind of feel a little bit uncomfortable because it's kind of sad that we're at this point, you know, you're not laughing with them. You're kind of laughing at them at that point. And that's what that is. Once you get past like the first four rounds, it starts to enter that, that lull of like, Oh God, it just takes up too much time and too much much thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I'm not a fan of the shootout per se, but I'm just, a, I'm against ties. So <laughs> if they can find something better, then great. But like, you know, as long as it doesn't end in a tie, I'm, I'm okay with I'm that. okay yeah, if I mean, no one walks away with a point in an Islanders cracking game that ends 1-1 after regulation. So I do think that they ought to like add the goals scored in the shootout to the score. I have, uh, that has driven me nuts since day one. I don't get it. The team is awarded a goal. It counts on their goals for. Nobody scored it. So if you went and literally added up all of the goals for a specific team, um, you know, all the players who scored goals for that team, you went and added them up, you'd be off by the goals for. But Patrick, our our stats would be inflated, and then we might have to pay this guy more money. Not realizing you might have to pay the goalie less. Yes, thank you. There is equilibrium to be achieved here, people. Math is hard. Newton's Newton's (laughs) third law. Although it's not, you know, completely, God damn it. I don't care if it's physics in physics, if it's completely accurate, it's pretty damn close for every action. There's an equal and opposite reaction. If I end up having to pay him more. I got to end up paying that guy less. Instead of spotlighting uh, one event, I mean, they just need to empty the benches and the players keep going. It's just situational stats, right? You know, they can't power play goals. They can't, you know, Penalty kill go- or shorthanded penalty kill goals as different. Well, actually, they don't even short. They don't even do shorthanded as different ones. It's just power play. Um, and it's people sit there and they're like, "Well, you know, it doesn't count." I'm like it should count. You should have a situational stat for that. Do shootouts happen all the time? No, not necessarily. Does the entire team have an opportunity to do that? No, probably not. But you do have the, typically the same, like, five guys every coach goes to 
in every single shootout, whether, you know, whatever the top three is may change, but mostly they stay the same. Those, those players should have shootout goal statistics broken out for them. So you yeah. know that, you know, it's like who's well, actually good in the shootout, you know? <laughs> you, you, you don't have to go that far, Cassie. Hmm. It's a GWG. It's a game-winning goal. It doesn't need to be a shootout goal. It's a game-winning goal. You, Scored at the you're just playing by a different set of minutes. rules, but the end result is the end result. It's a game-winning goal. Oh, but what about all the other guys that scored during the shoot? It doesn't matter. Last one wins, correct? Guy that scores the last one wins. Game-winning goal. Yeah. It's GWG. You're you're in the intent of the and I'm I almost said the other word I usually say instead of shootout sounds like shoot with a different <laughs> verb in the middle. Um, <clears throat> the intent of the shootout is to determine a winner. Correct. Mm-hmm. The guy who scores the winning goal should get the game winning goal. I'm okay with that. It's just a GWG scored at the 60th minute. 65th because they do five minute overtime. Well, okay. Which should actually be a 10 minute overtime, but I think that's another discussion. (laughs) I, I, you know, I keep, I go around and around on that and I end up coming back to one thing. I don't want it 10 minutes. I don't. Five is fine. The reason they're having problems is because there's the fallback of the, and I almost said it again, shootout. 10 minutes. If you take away the shootout, you take away the incentive for teams not to do anything in that five. Yeah. 10-minute running clock. Few, no face-offs. Yeah, running clock, uh, no face-offs. I like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine leaving it at five. Put a gate up. If you're not done in five, neither one of you gets the bonus candy on the other side. I- and Cassie, I know you hate it. And I'm sorry, Pat, I know you hate it. That a tie has got to be a forcing function. Understood. As long as we get rid of if the fundamental if, incentive not to be pushing harder late in the third period. It, 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 there is a point. No longer there is a bonus point, especially when you're playing cross-conference. Teams will not want... The only time the only time you see it it kind of leading to fun really consistently is when they're playing cross conference because the bonus point either way doesn't hurt that team because it's it's not, not someone who rival. you're going to be two points behind or yeah chasing mm-hmm. or defending or or trying to keep ahead of right so you know you lop away whatever. 16, 17, 20 games, whatever it is now these days. But take away the forcing function. Take away that that third, you know, it's just like a freaking shootout goal. It appears out of nowhere, and a team gets a point that was never on the table. We'll take that point off the table. Make the pie a little smaller. Yeah, and and we could argue the three point yeah. three two one thing. Nah, leave it at two. Leave it at two. Leave it at two. If you're tied at the end, you both get a point. If the team wins, 
they get two points and you get none. Doesn't matter. A loss is a loss. Doesn't matter if it happens in 60 or 65 minutes, a loss is a loss. That'll help with these coaching stats too. Cause I go back to that example of when they showed Peter DeBoer's stats in San Jose and they said he was something like a six, 60 percentile winning coach. And I looked at it and it was like, he's barely above 500. What are you talking about? Oh no, because they were counting his points percentage. How many games he coached that they awarded points in. Mm-hmm. Great. So he's being rewarded for losing in overtime. Gotcha. Stop doing that. There. For those of you that, that are sick of the, everybody gets a trophy generation type stuff. Here's, here's one. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets a point. Well, they Everyone's have, mad about sure, handing but. out trophies until it's their turn to get one. How come I didn't get a trophy? Because you finished fourth, but I tried really hard. And it doesn't matter. Suck it up. Try better put next on, time. Put on your adult pants, not your depends, okay? But I'm incontinent. Well, if you didn't whine so much, you wouldn't be. Ah. <sighs> People, what a bunch of bastards. It's still one of my favorite lines from the IT crowd. People, what a bunch of bastards. Uh, I said it before we started recording, and I'm looking out my window of my office to my deck railing where they're all strewn across like some sort of crime scene of party festival lights the person who invented the icicle light needs to be placed in the same level of hell as the person that invented the fitted sheet they're all fine and good when they're on something but take them off and everything goes to hell how do you store them how do you make sure they don't i've spent more time untangling these things and it looked like i had a a a weird strand that had two ends and the outlet plug was in the middle I'm like, how did this work? Well, no, it's because two of the icicles were looped together and they felt like they were part of the mainstream. No, that person belongs in the same <laughs> circle of hell with the person that invented the fitted sheets. Oh, and and the uh, and the the rigid plastic bubble casing stuff that people pack crap in, you know. I bought you know I I bought a new chef knife and it was in that plastic and the only way oh, I could get yeah, it out yeah, was yeah. to use another knife. The quote unquote <laughs> easy to like get off. Yeah, even if it's perforated, you still have to get break out of like kitchen shears. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that cut through bone <laughs> kitchen shears, and even then that halfway doesn't cut through. <laughs> I feel like we're describing face off rules exactly. here. Exactly, it's just these inane ideas that we think are going to be great. And we lie to ourselves and then we say that they're great, but they're not. No, no, no. It's certain people who have the ability to enforce said rules think that they'll be great. But the rest of us are like screaming at them saying that it's going to be a bad idea. It's a bad idea and they don't listen. But then we have gone too far, but we have the power to change things. But we refuse to because we've gone too far. We've committed too much to it. So clearly the answer is just all gutters should have LED strips. And if you should happen to live in a climate where icicles can build naturally, then you could have some lights up. Otherwise, keep them off. 
No, that th- that was a little too grinchy. Yeah, I I don't work at NHL off at office. <laughs> <laughs> what if what if my driving like considerations when I buy things just generally is how much of a pain in the ass this is going to be to store or to like remove or to, and I'm like, mm, yeah, no, I'm not going to deal with that. And so I don't do it. <laughs> I look at Christmas lights and I'm like, I could put them up around my porch in my apartment. And I'm like, no, that's pain in the and ass. Maybe that explains the current state of goaltending. It's just gotten way too easy to put on pads. And another reverse VH goal scored by a noggin knocker. But did you see the picture of that said noggin knocker? Oh, oh poor Logan. It? it was against Logan Thompson, was it not? I forget which Golden Knights goalie it was, yeah. but oh, just that that photographer deserves a Pulitzer. Oh, it's beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. The one against Hellebuck, too, from um, Laferriere, not Lafreniere, the Kings rookie, Laferriere, put in an absolute beautiful one on Connor Hellebuck. I mean, he is a right-handed shot coming down the right side. Or is he left-handed? I'm going to go look it up again. Um, yeah, he's a right-handed shot coming down the right side, launches it from the goal line right off of Hellebuck's head and in. I mean, uh, <laughs> just come on, people. Stand on the side of the net. Stand up. Stand up like a goaltender. <laughs> you never saw Johnny. Uh, you never saw Johnny Bauer do that kind of crazy crap. Stand up. Stand up like a man. Mm-hmm. Or a woman. Don't care. Stand up like a goaltender. I mean, he aimed for his head. <laughs> it's just, it's like Gretzky when he used to flip the puck up over the net to bank it in off the back of the goaltender. He's just be like, oh, okay, flip. The goaltender's kind of looking that way. I'm just going to bank it in off of him. Hey, it's legal. It does. <laughs> <laughs> and while we're on the subject of legal, Uh-oh. Jeff Merrick. I know you're listening. Again, it's a good goal or a goal. There is a contextual placement for the phrase good goal. A goal has been scored. It is then determined whether that goal was scored legally or illegally. If it was scored legally, then they call the goal a good goal. Otherwise, there is no goal. There was a goal scored on the play. The puck went in the net. True or false? Yeah. Okay. Then you, why? What's the point of saying we have a goal? You already had a goal. You now have to determine whether the goal was scored under the provi- under the guidance of the rules that were placed in the NHL. God. Breathe. Context is king. Breathe. No. <laughs> I'm si- I'm seriously. I'm sitting here looking at those goddamn lights. <laughs> <laughs> and I need to get back out there and start screwing around with them again before all hell breaks loose. This has been the 3B3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3B3 Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.